the free for all roundtable round two on round two we say good morning to bob reed he's a principal at broadwaystrategy.com and the guy behind touchdowns and fumbles on the jerry agar show fridays lindsey broadhead is here strategic communications and public affairs advisor and like i say dowson is a montreal-based political pundit and radio commentator welcome to y'all let's listen to mayor john tory at his press conference yesterday explaining why he's planning on adding 48.3 million dollars to an already 1.1 billion dollar budget for Toronto Police Service. I believe it is crucial that we ensure that this year's budget invests more in community safety and in our frontline first responders. The police service budget is the city's biggest annual investment. The police budget, which goes to the police board next Monday and is being released, as I said today, and the overall city budget we will unveil next week, will protect that investment and responsibly invest more in the Toronto Police Service. It is an investment that is both responsible and necessary to keep Toronto safe. Okay, Lindsay Broadhead, you often speak from a business perspective. You don't necessarily always have to. Um, but I think a lot of people, particularly in downtown Toronto, have a their spidey senses have been tingling for the last while. They just don't feel it's as safe a place. So they probably welcome this investment in policing. Others look at it and say, listen, they already have a ton of money. Why do we need more? They do have a ton of money, but we're also seeing uh, a ton of problems. So uh, that's the reason. And we, we have to remember that Toronto isn't the uh, sleepy little city that we uh, like to sometimes think we are. We're, I think, the sixth largest city in North America. Um, there's a lot of people, uh, and increasingly we're seeing a lot of problems. Um, I think the one thing Mayor Tory can do is add some transparency to where these dollars are being spent. He, uh, they, he and his team have said on what kind of staff um, they're going to add in the 200 headcount, but what what kind of services will people see and how will it help? Um, and also assure us that, um, you know, often the police services are critiqued because we see police officers manning, you know, construction sites and things like that. Can we be assured that um, the, the manpower, the person power is best utilized? It, well, often those people actually are off the clock and make an extra money from a private corporation. But you're absolutely right. And um, Bob Reed, I still don't know that we've come up with a means to provide efficient police service when, you know, you can't compare somebody who's responding to a bank robbery to somebody who's taking notes on a car accident. No, but they're all important functions that need to be in place and, and that the, the police need to do. Now, some are more important than others, obviously, and that's that's an ongoing debate. In general, I think this, uh, this announcement is going to be well-received by people because, as you said a minute ago, there is a pervasive perception out there that the streets of the city are not as safe as they used to be, that there are, there are more threats. We're, we're, we're seeing you know, the, the widely reported incidents of, of random uh, violence, and, and that, that takes its toll on people. So I, I, I think at a gut level, I think people will say this is a good announcement. Also, uh, look at the response uh, from, uh, well, not surprisingly, the, uh, the, the, the police chief would say these, these are necessary, but he pointed to the city's auditor who said response calls are not getting answered properly. The police aren't able to keep up with demand for calls for help. So there's a very real tangible concern. Also, look at the headline in the Toronto Star today. 32,000 new condo units will be occupied in the city this year. 32,000 more families are going to be here. 
The population keeps growing, the need keeps growing. I think it's the right move. Okay. And like I say, Dowson, what bothers me, I guess, in this debate is I just want services to work and I want them to be efficient in terms of what they cost. But then I was watching activists on the evening news yesterday who treat any new police officer as sort of just advancing the guard dog for the man. <laughs> well, in a sense, they're right, because I think the, the police are perceived by a lot of people as just being kind of like, you know, the, the people who show up with body armor and don't listen and are insensitive and are overwhelmingly white and et cetera. And they're not, and people are not wrong about that. As, you know, so as you say, I mean, defending the man, if you are living in some low cost housing and you, you're unable to get a job and the, the dream of actually ever moving out of there or possibly owning a home is like the distant, I mean, impossible dream. I, I think maybe some of that money should be funneled into better social services, uh, helping youth get off the street. Because I think some of the violence that has really caught people's attention is gang related. Almost all of the violence is committed between people who know each other. So there's clearly a problem with, as you say, a ballooning population and a lack of services. I don't know. I'm not sure spending a lot more money on cops is really going to settle the problem. Bringing in the, you know, the heavy artillery when the problems are human is all, not always the solution. So CEOs continue to cash in, according to figures that are out today. Compared to 2018, uh, CEO used to make 243 times the average Canadian worker's salary. That was in uh, 2018. Um, no, actually, so let me back this up. 2018, it was 227 times what the average worker was making as CEO was making. Now it's 243. Uh, and like I say, Dowson, I'll start with you. It's not to argue that CEOs don't deserve to be at the top end of the pay chain. It's just how much money they're making. And that's mostly thanks to the fact that the people who set their salaries are all you know, people who make the same kind of money who think they all deserve it. Yeah. So this is a, an annual report done by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. And according to them, by now, um, you know, the CEOs have already made as much as most of us are going to make in a year. So this goes to my earlier point about the police. When you've got growing inequality and uh, like glaring inequality, like the kind that we haven't really seen in Canada, then that's going to grate on people and it's going to create conditions for you know, unhappiness and desperation even. So, and also the CCPA does a pretty good job of describing this. They call it the boys club because it's overwhelmingly guys. And basically, they're getting paid for being lucky. They are in the right circles at the right time, and they vote each other pay increases. And it's really grating for the average person who's stuck down at the level of the minimum wage. So I don't know. I, you know, this doesn't help the feeling that I think people have that there's just not, not a lot of hope for them to, to escape this trap of not making a lot of money and paying a lot of costs. And I, I, I think the CCPA is to be commended because they do this every year. And every year, the period between the beginning of the year and the day when they've, the CEOs have hit their, uh, the, the, the equivalent of what we're going to make is getting, that period is getting shorter every year. And that is not good overall for the society we live in. Lindsay Broadhead, he's not here, but Jerry Agar and I have debated this on numerous occasions, and he always at some point says, you're just jealous. Well, yeah, I guess maybe I am, but I'm also arguing for fair wages. I think some of this money belongs to shareholders and some of it belongs to workers. 
Yeah, I love I love Jerry's mic drop comments. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to argue with that. Um, I, I guess we all have a, a degree of jealousy, but it's not about jealousy. It's about, um, you know, something that resembles um, fairness. Um, the I looked into some of the the top uh, earners of that top 100 list uh, that this news story is about. They're public companies, um, which is interesting. And because, of course, many public companies did very well during the pandemic period, um, and kind of uniquely so. Um, but shareholders have a voice. And I, I wonder if part of the solution here is that shareholders need to actually step up uh, and, and be accountable to ensure that they get the kind of talent that we need in Canada, finding uh, CEOs who are capable of running uh, large, large companies isn't easy. Um, so, uh, you know, it's good that we have them in Canada, but at the same, in the same breath, it's about the reputation of those companies. So I, I think there, we have to start looking a little bit more comprehensively about the optics of what companies are doing, um, because these news stories actually aren't good for the businesses, uh, necessarily. Um, and, and that gap needs to become slightly more manageable and equitable. I want to get to some other issues. So, Bob Reed, with your permission, I'll move on to a new one, but start with you. Uh, U.S.-based research group that gauges political geopolitical risks says that Canada is starting to catch the virus from the United States, where people are increasingly politically polarized. Uh, do you buy that? Uh, I do, but I don't think it's it's unique to Canada in any way. I think uh, I think there are a number of other countries around the world where we've seen that rise in in populism. We've seen the rise in rage that is uh, endemic in in social media these days, and I, I think I think they all kind of feed on each other. So uh, I'm not surprised to see reports like this. I don't think we're nearly to the same degree as the United States, and hopefully uh, we never we never become that pulled polarized in uh, in our society here but I, I think it's also inevitable in in an age of of snark and keyboard warriors and and everything else that that motivates people and gets them up on on high horses on knee-jerk reaction to uh, what are far more complicated issues is just sadly a fact of life across our societies in this day and age and like i say dowson i know obviously there are people out there with flags and stickers that say f justin trudeau but generally i find canadians are much more sensible and certainly a lot of people i know would vacillate between elections between the conservatives and uh, and the liberals or the ndp so they're not as entrenched, I don't think, as Americans, but maybe that's changing. Yeah, I don't think it is changing in any major way. I think you're right, though, that people do vacillate between the Conservatives and the Liberals, and people like me who are NDP supporters would just say, you're voting for Tweedledum or Tweedledee. They're basically, you know, defending the corporate establishment, those two big old parties, and maybe some more change would be good. But I think one of the reasons why Canada hasn't gone down that wormhole to the extent that the United States has is because we have parties like the NDP, we have a higher rate of unionization, and we have a way, way better social safety net, and we have health care. Battered as it is, health care is a big protector from polarization. If you can go to the hospital when you're sick and you don't have to stay in a crap job because you're afraid of losing your insurance, that makes a big, big difference. So those, those things are worth protecting. They're worth thinking about. What differentiates us is the sense of fairness that Lindsay was talking about. And the idea of social equity and social justice, which I think characterized big swaths of Canada. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And those things are important ideas that it's worth talking about. Instead of seizing on 
divisiveness and rage, because there's some of that for sure. And I noticed in that same study that Pierre Polyev's numbers are not very good. This is a guy who feeds the rage, who supports the convoy, who told everybody to go out and buy crypto, and that's tank. So that kind of polarizing leadership doesn't really catch on here in the vast majority of the population. Thank you very much. We end with a bit of speed bagging, but <laughs> thanks, Dan. Like I say, Dowson, Bob, Reed, and Lindsay Broadhead. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.